Attention all holiday patriots. The woke, radical left doesn't want you to know this. And frankly, I shouldn't be telling you it's very bad business. But you can get 25% off all Deprogram merch right now at deprogramshop.com. Help me put the Christ back in Christmas by buying a hoodie or maybe a dope hat for your grandma. I know she loves the Deprogram. All proceeds go directly to building a small cage for Meatball Ron, which is frankly more than he deserves. Come on, man. Enough with the cage thing. Eat my ass, Joe. You know he deserves the cage. I think he belongs in a cage. I think we all belong in a cage. We're a fallen species, a blight, little more than rats wallowing in our own self-importance. Oh, Jesus, not you too. How the hell did you guys get in the Oval Office? Shut up, Joe. I've got merch to plug. Use the code HOLIDAYPATRIOTS at checkout. That's one word, HOLIDAYPATRIOTS, and get 25% off your order or 30% if you're a patron. That's a great deal, folks. A lot of people are telling me it's the best deal they've ever seen, and I believe them. It's a great deal. Will you two get off my desk, for Christ's sake? It's not your desk, Joe. I scratch my name on it. Jordan, get your hog out. Uh, let's take a selfie with the D-Program merch. Don't do that. Don't take your bird out. It's too late. It's out. Look at it, Joe. I'm not going to look at it. Look at his penis, Joe. This is so fucked up, guys. Jordan, let me hold it. Nice little handful, isn't it? Very nice. Folks, remember to go get your Christmas merch discount by going to deprogramshop.com and using the code HOLIDAYPATRIOTS at checkout. Act fast. This amazing deal is only available through January 6th. Merry Christmas to all, even the haters and losers. I'm going to kill myself. Test, test. Uh, is wonder, everybody wonder. recording? Yes. yes. Is everybody third, what, fourth time's the charm? <laughs> We're too excited. Guys, I killed him. Okay. I killed him. And I'm the there world, we go. world's Shit. worst assassin. Pulled from YouTube world's again. World's worst assassin. Yet I killed him. <laughs> I have taken his 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 life because I cannot say I've taken his soul because he does not have He doesn't worst. have one. Who am I talking about, guys? Who have I killed? <laughs> 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 Kissinger's dead, I baby. I honestly thought he was going to live forever. I am, I am literally shaking and crying and throwing up and pissing myself right now. Pissing, pissing, coming, I ironically, oh like it was during my work day because I still have to go to the fucking office up until January first, and then I'm fully quit. Oh, yeah. uh, I was like in the middle of like a call. I turned off my camera when I read the read the, the JT wrote. Uh, guess who's dead? And then just a picture. Of yeah. This guy, I walked over to to my living room and I poured a fucking cold one and I sat down and just like muted the call and sat <laughs> by myself in pure quiet and drank a beer. Hell yeah. That was oh uh, a perfect way to end 2023, I believe, gentlemen. Beautiful, mm, honestly. To the, uh, now uh, here's hoping that Bush is next. Um, <laughs> wait, hold on. So Nixon is in hell. Reagan is in hell. <laughs> Kissinger is a, yeah. They're the, the gang's all the gang's all here. Oh my god. Oh fucking hell. I love the the, the tweet that came out. It was like. Ouch, ouch, why is it so hot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The account is like the only post is, is Kissinger dead yet has said no yeah. for years and so finally just says yeah. yes. <laughs> oh man, the catharsis. Likes. The catharsis. Oh, I love it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a blessed and absolutely divine episode of the program. Emergency episode. Kissinger dead. <laughs> Kissinger dead. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Rip, rip, bozo. Okay, this I you know it, what's the, the that stupid meme where it's like, oh, me and my graduation, me and my wedding, yeah. <laughs> me at kissing your <laughs> yeah. funeral. Yeah. He's Dude, on the fucking suit. I, I, I fucking posted that shit on Instagram, like that meme about uh, 2023 wrap up from uh, Spotify, yeah. but it's the picture of uh, of uh, Kissinger, and my dad hits me up, and he and he literally writes R.I.P. and I'm like, Dad, what the are you saying? And he's like, I don't know who is this. Maybe it's one of those philosophers. You uh, like, and I literally just wrote Kissinger, and the dude sends me an audio message. She's like, "He fucking died!" Yes, like absolutely everyone. Oh this God. is like fifty-five-year-old, absolute beauty. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah. The world is rejoicing. Uh, the, the, the amount of uh, babies that will be made today, just <laughs> yeah. from Honestly. like like a dead uh, Kissinger being dead is like a natural uh, aphrodisiac for everybody who <laughs> yep. has a soul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just I just wrote into Google Cambodia celebrates just to see, <laughs> and, and it's, just, it's like Cambodia celebrates water festival. Cambodia celebrates return of priceless stolen artifacts. Just wholesome things. That's Hold nice. on, let me write Kissinger. Let's see what comes up. Um, Giant burning effigy of Kissinger, four hundred feet yeah. tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Henry Kissinger's death met with celebration yes. tributes. <laughs> oh, I love this Bless so up. much. Bless up, bless Hold up. Hold on, I want to, I want to see other images. Please tell me. <laughs> oh no, I want to see mass rallies. Okay, I want to see Cambodians with their flag. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes. So uh, Henry Kissinger is dead. We're very happy for this news. If any idiot writes in some comment section somewhere, oh, but how can you celebrate yeah, the death of a... Yeah. Shut up. Okay. If your math teacher died, you would celebrate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking some people. Let, let's, let's begin the episode. Um, the same people will say, dad, I hope you die. Mom, I hope you die. Like to yeah. be edgy. And then, dude, but we got to think about like Hitler 3.0. You know, we got to respect it because it's death, bro. Yeah, yeah. He is uh, lost into the sands of time, but thank God that there is a, a <laughs> there's a, a warmed spot for him, <laughs> just waiting, something nice and toasty. Inshallah. Reagan kept his seat. Uh, I'm, I'm, li- I'm literally like, I haven't stopped drinking beers and water all day, and I'm going to keep it in my body for three months, and then I'm going to find wherever his grave is, and I'm going to empty all that <laughs> shit. It's going to be like fucking beer flowers uh, and trees erupting out of his goddamn corpse. No, most likely nothing will grow, because like, it's just going to be festering, uh, a festering how's, how's, like, swamp of acid. Plot how that demon has blood still that pumped for a century. Yeah, I have that's no the idea. Point. My God, the devil does not destroy his own nest, mm. as we say in our. That's okay, such a, that is, is such a, a good quote that slaps so hard. <laughs> 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 All right. So for anybody who doesn't know who Kissinger is, you'll be definitely on our side by the end of this. Um, Yugopnik, do you want to start us with the lovely serenade of um, little baby little baby boy Kissinger and what he was like? What, what was he up to? Absolutely. Let me bring you up to speed on what Kissinger was like through his early years, uh, development, his years in war, his years in university, his years in early politics, all the way up to his actual career in the executive body of the most powerful, actually, back then, like uh, second most powerful uh, country on planet Earth, uh, after he started working with uh, Nixon. So we start out with Heinz, just like the ketchup Kissinger, <laughs> which was his original name, who was born in 1923 uh, in a city in Bavaria, Germany. His family fled to New York shortly before 
Kristallnacht, which uh, many of you should be familiar with. If you are not, please Google it. Uh, they settled in Washington Heights, a neighborhood with uh, many German immigrants, uh, so much so that it was sometimes known as the Fourth Reich. Uh, they spoke uh, English at home, and uh, Heinz, the future war criminal, not the ketchup, became Henry. In his youth, he displayed few remarkable qualities beyond enthusiasm for Italian defensive soccer tactics Mm -hmm. and a knack for advising his friends on their uh, um, different uh, romantic uh, exploits. As a teenager, he worked in a uh, shaving brush factory before school and aspired to become an accountant. In 1942, Kissinger was drafted in the good old U.S. Army over at Camp Clay born Louisiana. He befriended a man called Fritz Kramer, a German-American private 15 years older than him, who Kissinger would call the greatest single influence on his formative years. What a, a horrible Nietzsche- dude that must have been. <laughs> yeah, find him. Yeah, you, you, you will learn. You will learn. He was a, a Nietzsche guy. I'm a fan of Nietzsche, so please don't associated these two uh, to the point of self-parody he wore a monocle in his good eye in his good eye to make his weak eye quote-unquote work harder Christ Uh, Kramer claimed to have spent the late uh, Weimar years fighting both communists and Nazi brown shirts in the streets we all know what uh, these (laughs) neutralist centrists led to only years later Uh, he had doctorates in political science and international law oh my god just like me mm-hmm. uh, and except not a doctorate because uh, I have a fucking life uh, <laughs> I late, and pursued a promising career at the League of Nations before fleeing to the US or high ranking motherfucker in, uh, ba- uh, he fled to the US in 1939 uh, he warned Kissinger not to emulate what he called cleverling intellectuals and their quote bloodless cost benefit analysis believing Kissinger to be musically attuned to history he told him only if you do not calculate will you really have the freedom which distinguishes you from the little people this spelled out for our dear listeners means do what you will consequences be damned consequences are for the masses Uh, the uh, influential experience of his youth was uh, even more elevated through his actual service in the 84th infantry division uh, as it swept through uh, Europe, I believe mostly France. He was, uh, quote, more American than I have ever seen in any American, one comrade of his uh, recalled for an interview. The work of the U.S. occupation with its uh, opportunities for quickly assuming positions of authority really thrilled him at the time. In 1945, Kissinger participated in the liberation of a concentration camp and earned a bronze star for his role in breaking up a Gestapo sleeper cell, most likely the last good thing this man ever mm. did. In 1947, usually, you know, one would say, you know, breaking up a Gestapo sleeper cell and like a concentration camp, like you need to like, no matter what bad things you do for yeah. the rest of your life, <laughs> you like really you work. cannot outdo <laughs> yeah. that. But he worked, man, re- 
really worked. <laughs> like, oh my God. As we'll see from my from my fellow colleagues here at the show. <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm calling you colleagues. This is so professional. Oh, wow. <laughs> Moving on. In good old 1947, Kissinger enrolled at Harvard on the GI Bill intending uh, to study political science and English literature. To me, like, tinfoil hat on, like, he went to the army and he got to know, like, this PhD guy who basically worked for the UN of the time, mm. and then afterwards he managed to get into fucking Harvard, taking my, like I'm just asking that question now, taking my tinfoil hat off. Uh, William Elliott, a well-connected history professor from uh, the WASP elite, was his second mentor, who advised a series of U.S. presidents on international affairs. The young Kissinger was drawn less to classic exponents of realpolitik, such as Bismarck, to the philosophers of history like Kant and, uh, and so on and so on, which, you know, talked about civilizational decay, like from people like Spengler and so on. From these thinkers, uh, Kissinger cobbled together his own view of how history actually operated. It was not a story of liberal progress or of class consciousness or of cycles of birth, maturity, and decline, like many, many philosophies propose. Rather, it was a, quote, series of meaningless incidents fleetingly given shape by the application of human will. Basically, explained in human language, there are no rules to be applied to the study of history. Mm. It is because of our subjective nature that when we look at it, we apply current rules to how it had developed in the past. Uh, as a young infantryman, Kissinger had learned that uh, victors, quote, ransacked history for analogies to gild their triumphs, while the vanquished sought out the historical causes for their misfortune. His biographers often quote one sentence in Kissinger's undergraduate thesis titled The Meaning of History. Quote, the realm of freedom and necessity cannot be reconciled except by an inward experience. Such a deeply subjective worldview might seem surprising in Kissinger, but French existentialism at that time was literally all the rage at Harvard, mm. and he pretty much most likely just followed the trend. Not only that, but this thesis that he, uh, in which this quote comes from was actually coined by Jean-Paul Sartre, who, by the way, I really like not only because he was like a hardcore communist, but because he expanded on like 17 philosophical schools of thought uh, during his uh, his life. Kissinger, in some magical way, managed to subscribe to Sartre's idea that morality was determined by action. But for Sartre, action created the possibility of individual and collective responsibility. Whereas in total contrast, for Kissinger, morality's vagueness was a condition of human freedom. Again, to simplify and simplify greatly, your morality is defined by what you do. So do what your school of thought defines as good for the collective. That's how Sartre would explain it. While the other, Kissinger, took uh, this uh, basically 
took it as an excuse to go full free for all. My actions will dictate for me what is good or bad, so I get to dictate what is good or bad through my actions. Again, simplified and and quite, if I might say so, a sociopath's take on a uh, rather brilliant outlook Sartre helped helped coin. And we know this from like uh, all kinds of these fucking insane people that sometimes you know TikTok now the the modern thing is uh, how people go to uh, the therapist and then learn a lot of uh, key phrases and quote unquote intellectualize their uh, uh, their behavior and then they use these intellectual phrases and so on uh, sociological and philosophical to further uh, oppress their partners or their or their friends and rationalize both to them and to their friends that what they're doing is actually good the same way I guess this fledgling philosophical development that he was having in in Harvard built the Kissinger to an extent that we uh, have had uh, literally up until yesterday, which was a man who basically said, I get to build, I get to define what morality uh, is and not the material realities around me, the way most socialists would put it. Moving on. In 1951, while pursuing graduate studies, Kissinger worked as a consultant with the Army's Operations Research Office, where he became familiar with the Defense Department's pensions, penchant for psychological warfare. Kissinger was taking a swipe at the bright-eyed social scientists around him who thought that the deadly confrontation of the Cold War would be solved with empirical and behavioral models rather than with existential danger. In 1954, Harvard offered Kissinger to the Council of Foreign Relations. Or 1957, I'm not sure. Whatever. Who gives a fuck? Why am I even saying years? Nobody's going to remember this. I hated history because of that. I love history, but then they would throw the years. I was like, what the fuck? Uh, there. Kissinger, uh, while working for the Council of Foreign Relations, Kissinger published the book that pretty much, let's say, established him as a public figure. It was called Nuclear Weapons in Foreign Policy. Uh, guess what the book argued? <laughs> it argued that the Eisenhower administration needed to steal itself to use tactical nuclear weapons in conventional wars, to reserve nuclear weapons only for doomsday scenarios left to the U.S. and enabled to respond decisively to incremental Soviet incursions. Kissinger intended his thesis to be provocative and uh, maybe could have, maybe could not have guessed that that's exactly what Eisenhower's Joint Chiefs of Staff had been telling the president pretty much through the years. Check and mate, he was absolute gold for the political elite of that time to pretty much hire on, as you know, how they do up to, to this day, a Harvard intellectual that's going to agree with them on everything. And in this case, quite literally the most insane of everything, and that is that just using nukes to stop incremental advancements of your enemy is actually a good idea. That is fucking peak intellectualism right mm. there. By the late 50s, Kissinger did not need to choose whether to be an academic, a public intellectual, a bureaucrat, or a politician for the reasons I've previously mentioned. Each sphere of activity pretty much enhanced his value in the others. He was a sought-after consultant to presidential candidates, assuming that the American WASP aristocracy 
offered the likeliest path to power. He spent years tutoring Nelson Rockefeller in foreign policy. In 1961, uh, Bundy, who became uh, President John F. Uh, Kennedy's national security advisor. Uh, he hired Kissinger as a consultant there, pretty much. Kissinger also finally got tenure at Harvard. Members of the faculty, of course, uh, thankfully, objected that his nuclear weapons uh, book was not only unscholarly, but completely unacademic, uh, but his dear, dear friend Bundy uh, pushed the appointment through, persuading the Ford Foundation, which again, some great guys right here, all coming together, to put up money for his professorship. They pretty much lobbied him into the position. Mm. During his time as an advisor and foreign policy guru, he once said in an interview with Mike Wallace, I believe in 1958, quote, I think we should go on the spiritual offensive. This was the impulse not of a critical intellectual, but of someone who did not question the American global mission. He was an absolute radical in this sense. Quote, a capitalist society, or what is more interesting to me, a free society is a more revolutionary phenomenon than 19th century socialism. This absolutely, what it should sound like to our dear listeners and my two friends right here, unintellectual mambo jumbo, ended up being one of the most brilliant tools at the disposal of the American propaganda machine. Basically, what what they said is, don't sell developing nations on capitalism, sell them on this vague notion of freedom. Kissinger... Yeah, like this dude, like how many things does he have under his belt that to this day fucking ruffle our feathers later we will real material ones. Now we're talking about his his philosophical legacy to an extent, if you can call this philosophy, Jesus Christ. Kissinger is often called a, because a lot of people want to, like, what is he? So I wanted to answer this particularly. Kissinger is often called a realist, but if he was a realist, it was in the sense of making the image management aspect of foreign policy a priority. Also, Kissinger resisted describing himself as a practitioner of realpolitik. He actually really disliked the term, but that's uh, the beauty, in a way, of realpolitik and as a concept and why he to an extent embraced it afterwards because it has been proven to be a remarkably flexible concept ever since it pretty much emerged so it can be to an extent whatever you want it to be in domestic and foreign policy really uh, it's a no philosophy philosophy if handled well uh, but it still you know makes you look smart yeah. that's mm. why I think he no like at one point stopped uh, telling people no this is not my my school of thought and finishing and slowly moving into the his next era during the Korean War which Kissinger supported in public uh, but was also known to have talked about in private about how he knows that the U.S. cannot possibly hope to have a victory. And later on, as early as 65, during his first visit to Vietnam, this is before Nixon got elected, Kissinger had concluded that the war there was a lost cause and Nixon believed the same. Yet, they conspired to prolong it (laughs) even before reaching the White House. During the Paris peace talks in 68, Kissinger was there as 
a consultant, passed information about the negotiations to Nixon's campaign, which started, literally, I think this should be illegal, which started to fear that Johnson's progress towards a settlement would bring Democrats electoral victory. Get it? If, if, if Johnson got peace in Vietnam, then there would be nothing for Nixon to pretty much run on. Mm. Nixon's campaign then used this information in private talks with the South Vietnamese to dissuade them from taking part in the talks, <laughs> in the peace talks. Nixon, of course, won a couple of years later, and with him, Kissinger was now elevated to an even greater seat of power, the executive body of the United States of America. What a beautiful delivery. Um, absolutely. The overview of this man's life um, and the general trajectory that he took, uh, you know what it's like? It's like you actively are choosing... Uh, when you play games like Detroit Become Human or something, where you get like a, yeah. <laughs> a, a, several options to pick, and you always want to pick the most evil one, you know, like yeah. in The Walking Dead, where it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, they, he will remember that, right? You want to pick the wrong fucking option just to see what the bad ending is. <laughs> this is what this guy did. <laughs> yeah. And and isn't it even even in video games? Sometimes you can't go through with it because yeah. yeah. you know these are pixels, and you're like, oh my god, my soul hurts. Mm. And some people like do it to real human beings, mm. yeah. Yeah. and on a massive scale, and they still do it like it hurts my soul to see like little Baldur's Gate Asterion like get disappointed that I don't want to have sex with him like my, my soul is like crushed oh. these guys out here fucking burning Cambodian villages it's, uh, it's literally sabotaging peace talks where your own people even if we were racist even if he was they were racist like your white Americans are out there dying yeah. like mm. what the like Jesus the, what the ego on this guy was just absolutely unmatched yeah. like every report of people talking talking about him. I was like, yeah, this dude was a megalomaniac to the extreme. Everything mm. he did was because he wanted to look good or he wanted to, you know, say, oh, you did a good job. It's like, oh, fucking loser. Oh, my yeah. God. With so much power. That's, this is what happens when you don't bully people. <laughs> mm. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, and when literally the people who inspired him told him don't care about consequences yeah, yeah. you get to define what morality is uh, through your actions and uh, you know big it's small yeah so mm -hmm. he became big yeah mm. please please deliver uh, a, a nice midlife overview if you would jt so uh, we can yes. have an idea of what his uh the pinnacle of his career may have looked oh, like yeah, this was really hard because there was so much evil i had to condense this into a reasonably short <laughs> stretch of words but um I'll start this section uh, of Kissinger's story with a quote from the Rolling Stone article that was published upon the announcement of his death. Quote, Every single person who died in Vietnam between autumn 1968 and the fall of Saigon, and all who died in Laos and Cambodia, where Nixon and Kissinger secretly expanded the war within months of taking office, as well as all who died in the aftermath, like the Cambodian genocide their destabilization set into motion, died because of Henry Kissinger. So that's about as damning as it gets. And that's, for, that's from Rolling Stone, no less. I'm going to have to start buying that. Shit. No mm -hmm. kidding. Like, read the, dear listener, read the whole article. It's, it's quite good. There are a couple, like, little lib, lib bits in there, but it's overwhelmingly very, very good. <laughs> it's a strangely banger title for a Rolling Stone's article. <laughs> Henry Kissinger, war criminal beloved by America's ruling elite, finally dies. That slaps. <laughs> <laughs> and if you read the, the, the URL tag, it just says, Henry <laughs> Henry Kissinger, war criminal, dead at 100. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's, I love That's it. good. I mean, good for them. They're, they're doing the right thing there. Anyway, that's about as damning a quote as it gets. Uh, according to his biographer, Kissinger had the blood of at least three million people on his hands. He helped to prolong the Vietnam War, 
Um, and with the addition of tens of thousands of American deaths and hundreds of thousands of Southeast Asians, he broke international law by greenlighting a secret, indiscriminate carpet bombing campaign on neutral Cambodia. He mm. approved weapons shipments to Pakistan in the midst of a genocidal war against the people of what is now Bangladesh. He supported coups and death squads throughout Latin America. He approved a U.S.-backed Indonesian invasion of East Timor, leading to the slaughter of 100,000 people simply because Kissinger thought there was a possibility of East Timor going communist. And he was really flippant about all of this, too. Whenever he faced criticism, he would give some, you know, Marvel bad guy one-liner to deflect. Mm -hmm. uh, one of his most notorious was, quote, The illegal we do immediately. The unconstitutional takes a bit longer. <sighs> My God, the dude, uh -huh. like his greatest crime, honestly, was being cringe, um, mm. like <laughs> the tremendously <laughs> evil man, but also like a redditor to the extreme before Reddit was even mm. a thing. But the laundry list of genocides and crimes against humanity is long and guilt would have driven any decent person insane years before their 100th birthday. Um, but Kissinger was sharp until the end. So mm. let's look at a couple specifics. We'll start with the Vietnam War. In 1968, Kissinger leaked information to the Nixon campaign regarding the status of peace talks in Paris, which is what Ugopnik was just talking about. For this politically useful offering, he was rewarded with a position as national security advisor upon Nixon's ascension to the presidency. Kissinger's goal was not simply to end the war, but to end it on American terms, in a way that did the smallest amount of damage to American prestige and interest in the region. To that end, he and Nixon kicked the can down the road, extending the war until they found a convenient way out. With American anger at our involvement in Vietnam reaching a boiling point, Nixon's ratings were in the toilet. In early 1970, a government shakeup in Cambodia, a country not party to the war, offered him the opportunity to do something big and bold like his idol, General Patton, a man that Nixon had become obsessed with after watching the film Patton on repeat. And he kind of, he saw the general as a kindred spirit, someone with great power who was all misunderstood and under tremendous stress. So on April 26th of 1970, Nixon surprised Kissinger, which was rare. These two were like mm -hmm. always in the room together, always scheming and conniving, but uh, gooning together. always <laughs> gooning together. <laughs> but even Kissinger didn't know this was coming. Nixon announced that they would be invading Cambodia with U.S. troops. Nixon then went on TV to show the American people his brilliant plan and promptly sparked the largest anti-war protest yet. Based. Kissinger compared the demonstrators to Nazis. Um, a hand, yeah, it's like, come on, man. Like, everything he says, everything he does, like, yeah, it's like you were saying, it's the most evil possible choice you could make. Mm. And it's fascinating to me looking at this guy because, you know, to the very end, he never walked back anything. He never apologized. If anything, he doubled down and deflected. I don't understand. I really don't. Anyway, continuing. Um, a handful of White House officials, including some of Kissinger's staff, resigned in protest of the invasion. But of course, Kissinger stuck with Nixon. His desire to be important overrode any potential concerns for humanity. The resulting secret bombing campaign killed between 40,000 and 150,000 Cambodians, including thousands of civilians. You should look at a map of the, uh, of the bombing campaign where right. it's like each black dot represents a 10,000 pound bomb that was dropped. It is insane. The, basically the entire the country entire, is black. Uh, yeah, it's the whole the thing. Landscape. Also, by the way, the, the unexploded munitions kill mm -hmm. like something like 50 people every year to this day because yeah. of that. So his, his uh, you know, 
he's bulking up on what's going what's gonna to be happening to him when, when he when he ends up in hell. Yeah, he's, so. he's getting the, that, those residual evil points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's hustling in hell still. Yeah. All right. Long-term investment. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, when I get, just wait until I get to my fucking bitch. You have no idea. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Keep Christ. Keep going, Well, the short version of the rest of the war is that Kissinger had the opportunity to strike a peace agreement early in Nixon's presidency, but mm. he refused because he thought he could get a better deal. But he couldn't. The terms that were ultimately agreed upon were no better than what he had initially refused. It wasn't until 1973 that Kissinger would cave and accept American withdrawal. Mm. Two years later, Saigon would fall to the North Vietnamese, finally bringing an end to the conflict that Kissinger helped prolong for the sake of his own ego and the glory of the empire. Mm. So that cost 58,000 Americans and 3 million Vietnamese lives, in large part thanks to Henry Kissinger. Of course, Kissinger wasn't content with his death toll at this point. Let's talk about Chile. In early September 1970, the people of Chile elected the Democratic Socialist Salvador Allende as president. Allende was a good man. He recognized what life was like for the masses, and he enacted sweeping reforms to raise the standard of living for average Chileans. This included nationalizing some of their industry, particularly in mining. And Kissinger didn't really like that. A few months before the election, he had said, quote, I don't see why we need to stand idly by and watch a country go communist due to the irresponsibility of its own people. That, like, there you go. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. that that is the American perspective. Yeah, and that was this guy's philosophy in a nutshell. Freedom. Yeah, right. The United States has the right to interfere wherever it wants to secure its interests, and that is just what they did in Chile. Not even a week after Allende was elected. Kissinger had concocted a plan with the CIA to destabilize and overthrow the Chilean government. On September 11th, 1973, the presidential palace was bombed, seized, and after delivering a brief speech full of hope for the future of Chile, Allende committed suicide rather than be captured. Here's what he said. Workers of my country, I have faith in Chile and its destiny. Other men will overcome this dark and bitter moment when treason seeks to prevail. Go forward knowing that sooner rather than later, the great avenues will open again and free men will walk through them to construct a better society. Long live Chile, long live the people, long live the workers. As touching as that is, I think the most touching thing of the entire story is uh, the fact that at, when he was fighting off, like when, when, the, when the fascists were attacking the, the presidential palace, uh, he was fighting them off with an AK gifted to him by Fidel yeah. Castro, which was the weapon <laughs> that he used to commit suicide afterwards as well. That's um, yeah, beautiful in its own, you know, weird deeply depressing way. Yeah. Way, yeah. Uh, yeah. The fascist general Augusto Pinochet, who was backed by the U.S. government, then assumed control of the country, imprisoning, torturing, disappearing and murdering tens of thousands of Chileans. This reign of terror would go on for 17 years, but the outright violence was only a, a part of the master plan. Shortly after the coup, Pinochet invited none other than Milton Friedman, along with a bunch of his Chicago school lackeys, to devise a new economic agenda for the country. And so Chile became the guinea pig for laissez-faire, libertarian, free market policy, which led, inevitably, to economic collapse in 1982. And that's Chile for you. (laughs) I I love it. Just typical U.S. ally things. (laughs) Torture, disappearing, tens of thousands of people. And Milton Friedman. (laughs) Somebody send Milton over there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Christ. (laughs) Well, leaving another mass grave behind, what secured Kissinger's seat in the pantheon of American statesmen was his role in the reopening of China. 
Largely Nixon's brainchild, Kissinger was nonetheless a crucial component of the process. He would act as a secret go-between, eventually facilitating a meeting between Mao and Nixon. The one thing I am jealous of Nixon for. <laughs> there's, a, there's also a great video of, um, of Mao being introduced to Kissinger's wife, and he's just being absolutely flabbergasted at how tall she is. Like, she dwarfs cool. Kissinger, and, um, you, and it's taller than Mao, too. You haven't met uh, Kissinger's wife. Yeah. Hold on, let's take a look here. <laughs> I love how She's it's a an AP archive. Yeah. It's an AP archive video from fucking 1975. All right, let me see. <laughs> Mal's just like looking back yeah. and forth, pointing at them. <laughs> she, yeah, goddamn, she's a very tall woman. Uh, yeah, maybe it's the heels as well, or maybe Kissinger's a short man. I think probably a combination. And of course, Mal with his with his hanging mouth up. Poor dude. God, he was too old. <laughs> um, yeah, poor guy. He was too old for Classic this. Classic anti-tall people racism. Yeah. Pish. Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> He's shaking the hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's oh very God. funny. Oh, he, he looks her up and down, and then he like yeah, does like, like yo. <laughs> he does an eyebrow raise, and then he points at her head. As a, it's like, oh, look how tall she is. And then he points at Kissinger's head. Like, yeah. <laughs> your boy's fucking dwarfed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, oh, go look up so that cute. video, everybody. It's very funny. Mm. Tall queens can take L's as well, I guess. You're right, you're right. Didn't believe it. Yeah. Accomplice to great evil. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, I got that one. Uh, after Kissinger's secret visit to Beijing and wiring the code word Eureka to Nixon, the <laughs> governor is tickled. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he sounds... That was good. Oh, my God. Sorry, that was really good. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Anyway. Eureka, yes. Yeah, so he, he wired the code word, which was Eureka, to Nixon. The president went on TV with the shocking announcement that we were cool with China now and that he would become the first president to visit the Chinese mainland. Mm. Um, this spooked the Soviets, which was more or less the intention all along. Kissinger had envisioned a triangle of communication with the communist powers, each vying for better relations with the United States. Kissinger would visit the Soviet Union, again in secret, a few months after the China news broke. So, But for all the evil he committed, um, Kissinger did at least play a role in the development of the first nuclear nonproliferation treaties. Um, this, of course, does not absolve him of his crimes, mm. but given his track record of stoking violence, things could have been uh, much worse. As you probably remember, Yugopnik mentioned that earlier in his life, Kissinger had been a proponent of the development of nuclear weapons and even the use of smaller tactical nukes in what he called limited nuclear war. Again, he, he wrote a book opinion. on the subject. Yeah. Well, he changed, he changed his opinion because he realized conventional explosives in warfare will kill a much larger <laughs> amount of people and prolong the conflict. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you won't get any, uh, any pushback on it. So, you know, win-win. Yeah, win. Exactly. But, yeah, given his influence and complete disregard for international law or human life, um, had Kissinger not changed his mind on the use of nuclear weapons, we might very well not be here today. So I'll leave you with that, dear listener, and hand off the narration to Hakim for Kissinger's later years. What beautiful overviews from uh, my my lovely colleagues, <laughs> as, as, as uh, you go, you opening said. I'll, I'll never call you call, I'll never call you colleagues. Uh, you're <laughs> my you. uh, you're, you're my uh, closest friends, my confidants, my lovers. But you're oh. not my my colleagues. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 true. Habibi. Um, no, anyways, uh, I, this bit was originally meant to be just kind of like the last thirty years of Kissinger's life, but. He was such a ghoul that he kind of managed to extend these 30 years into 50 years of doing evil. 
And there's three things that stood out to me that I couldn't fit anywhere else in, in this entire like uh, write-up that we had, so I'm just going to say them now. Uh, in 1973, Kissinger received the Nobel Peace Prize uh, for that ceasefire uh, for the Vietnam War that um, Jokne mentioned earlier. My favorite part about this is that he didn't receive it alone. It was a joint Nobel Peace Prize with, between uh, Kissinger and Le Duc Tho, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing, who was a Vietnamese, uh, North Vietnamese general uh, and, of course, hero of, of, of Vietnam. The, the Vietnamese uh, gentleman declined to accept mm-hmm. the, the Peace Prize. <laughs> Kissinger, on the other hand, did get it. Um, and then, of, of course, like two years later, um, Saigon fell uh, and the entire thing was fucking pointless. But it's, it, this is just continuing a long list of very strange Nobel Peace Prize recipients. Mm-hmm. Um of course, Obama being <laughs> up there, too, for some fucking reason. Uh, what did he get it for? Do you remember? No, I don't. Hold on. <laughs> I have no idea. What did Obama um, get? Not the bombing a wedding. Yeah, oh my peace God. for... The Nobel Peace Prize for change goes to Obama. <laughs> <laughs> extraordinary efforts to strengthen <laughs> extraordinary efforts to strengthen international diplomacy and cooperation between peoples. What is this what? generic ass fucking... <laughs> Come on. Okay, hold on. Norwegian Peace Prize... Uh-huh. Citing promotion of nuclear nuclear non-proliferation and a new climate in international relations fostered by Obama, especially in reaching out to the Muslim world. Excuse me. Hmm. Just reaching what? out. You reach out. <laughs> reach, reach out in touch with uh, various explosives. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. He gave a speech in Cairo, awesome. apparently. That's all you need to fucking do? <laughs> okay. He was surprised and deeply humbled. All right, let's move on from one war criminal to another, please. Um huh. Yes, so uh, that's the first point that I couldn't fit anywhere. The second point that I couldn't fit anywhere is that Kissinger was, up up until his very beautiful and well-received death this morning, uh, was the last surviving member of the Nixon administration cabinet, which is mm. fascinating. Um, and his third thing is, his his official Wikipedia article has a section titled, Realpolitik and, and Toleration of War Crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know the, the other the other meme where it's like, early life, <laughs> accusations of oh, accusations of you know war crimes (laughs) shit like like the entire list that fucking he's that yeah Yeah. um so kissinger officially left office in 1977 um and then afterwards he started a quote-unquote civilian um Mm -hmm. uh, career i guess you could call it Uh, he was offered an endowed chair at columbia university uh, in the united states which uh, was revoked uh, because of massive student opposition <laughs> to the appointment. Nobody, want, <laughs> nobody of the student body wanted them there, so Good. he couldn't do it. Of course, after this became like national and then eventually even international media coverage, uh, which was embarrassing for the man, so he decided not to take take up the position. In the end, uh, instead, he was appointed to uh, the center for uh, appointed as a what's it called member for the Center for Strategic International Studies at Georgetown's University. Uh, if you're not aware of the Center for Strate- Strategic International Studies, it's a generic cringe think tank, um, very run-of-the-mill, pro-war, uh, owned by billionaires, essentially, or supported by billionaires, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's been titled America's number one think tank. And mm. the funding, I, you could literally put your hand in a hat of all the possible worst examples, and all of them come up. Uh, defense contractors, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, General Dynamics, Raytheon Company, Damn, General son. Atomics, the governments of Taiwan, Japan, and of course the US. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can't. Anything uh, else? Oh. <laughs> 
can't write yeah. this. Oh my god. There's more. Yeah, yeah, hold on. I'll I'll get I'll get to it. Just give me a second. Um the uh, fairness and accuracy in reporting um report uh, fair it's usually just called um they've stated in their analysis that the CSIS What ferrets? They're a ferret like the No, bird? no, no, a fair F A R That is a parrot, my boy. Acronym. A ferret oh. is like a long rat. <laughs> oh my god, really? Yeah. Does it fly though? A ferret? No. I don't it think it kind of wiggles yeah, on the ground. No, uh, what oh, are the uh, squirrels who have the skin but, flaps that they but, open up? It's a flying squirrel. It's not called a fucking flying squirrel. <laughs> it is. Look up flying squirrel right now. Flying. Fuck, I misspelled This is flying. important. Oh, wait, ferret squirrel. is in the fuck. All right. They're, fuck you, they're called flying squirrels. And it just says rodent. Oh, poor thing. Oh my god. Flying squirrels are a tribe of 50 species of squirrels? Jesus Christ. Hell yeah. Okay. And ferrets aren't rats, they're super cute. Okay. They Remember are. We yeah. had K and Skittles once. Yeah, and I no him. shade. I called it a rat. Yeah. No right. shade on rats. I had a pet rat when I was a, when I was a kid. They're very sweet. Because oh. you are a rat. rat. <laughs> oh my god. Actually, when I, when I rom- like, uh, the, the romantic term I have for my partner is I call her a rat mm, nice. my rat and then she hates it but she loves it you know <laughs> you know what the we'll random sharing in between yeah. kissinger's <laughs> yeah. genocidal tendencies um, apologies <laughs> continue <laughs> moving on uh so yeah the the, the uh, fair report uh, stated that the csis was and i quote fair. heavily funded by the u.s government arms dealers and oil companies and is consistently pro-war <laughs> now, yep. now, if you if you guys will um, indulge me, I want you, I want to read you just a few members of the board of trustees. Okay, all right. You have John ha- uh, Hammer, who is a uh, former U.S. Deputy Secretary of Defense. Um, you right. have Sam Nunn, who is a former United States Senator. Uh, you have William Cohen, who is a former uh, United States Representative, Senator, and Secretary of Defense. Uh, you have uh, William Daly, who used to be the Vice Chairman of Wells Fargo. He's a former White House <laughs> Chief of Staff. He's a former uh, United States Secretary of, of Commerce. Hold on. <laughs> There's so much more. Carla Anderson Hills, who uh, belonged to the Albright Stonebridge Group, and she is the mm. uh, U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Um, I, that the amount of blood on this term alone <laughs> yeah right and by the way is also very funnily enough the united states trade representative <laughs> um M- melody hobson who is a um, what's called chairwoman uh, at starbucks um you have uh, several business uh, interests some guy who worked at unicef <laughs> evan greenberg who is chairman and ceo of chubb limited <laughs> oh, i love it Chubb Limited is, of course, it's it's now listen, yeah, because for a a company that has tens of thousands of employees and a running budget of s- several hundred billion dollars, uh, including in assets, um, this is a company com- uh, that's a um, American company that's incorporated in Switzerland, which the parent company of which is is, is Chubb. So you have Chubb Limited and Chubb. Chubb Limited is a subsidiary of Chubb, uh, and this is <laughs> okay, a, <got> <laughs> a, a global <laughs> provider of insurance pro- insurance products covering property and casualty accident and health reinsurance and life insurance and is the largest publicly traded property and casualty company in the world so what this means is that every time jt pays his insurance premium <laughs> chubb <laughs> limited chubb gets a share gets a cut chubb gets a little bit more <laughs> gross is chubb <laughs> oh my god oh yeah but they're cool that's oh sorry yeah oh jeez yeah uh, of course, by the way, they they, uh, they donate regularly to golf, of all things, Chubb Limited. Oh, yeah, um, naturally. 
Yes. Uh, and a bunch of other strange, you know, business interests. It's such a like transparent, you know, revolving door of, hey, you serve in the U.S. government and then you go work on the boards of bullshit of think tanks get, being paid millions of dollars for God knows what. Right. Or you go and work as uh, vice presidents or presidents or CEOs or whatever the fuck um, at highly influential and uh, large conglomerates, international conglomerates. It's such a clear presentation of the class nature of the system uh, but yeah. for some reason people don't put two and two together anyways moving on um in this was in 77 by the way all this was happening uh and uh, he was i believe uh, on the cesis uh board of trustees for quite a while but anyways in 1982 with um the help of a loan from something called warburg and pincus I saw, who the fuck oh, come comes on. up with these names? <laughs> these yeah. names. It's called uh, from, Job Walworth and yeah. Pink Christ, the now, fucking ferret. Like, Jesus no, no, hold Christ. on. Uh, now, from Hergus and Boingo. Yes, please. JT, if you were to go yeah. get a loan from, from something, uh, some sort of institution, what would that yeah. institution be if you wanted a loan? A bank? You would think it's a bank, right? You go and get a loan yeah. from a bank. Now, Warburg yeah. and Pincus is not a bank. <laughs> it is a global private equity, equity firm, um, uh. which has assets over $100 billion. Wow. Which basically means that this is a privately traded corporation, essentially. And I don't know how you get a loan from them, but, I mean, they're backdoors, I guess. And uh, Kissinger here basically... He founded a consulting firm using this, the money from Warburg and Pincus, uh, and it's in very creatively called uh, Kissinger Associates, which is a geopolitical nice. consulting firm. Uh, and let me let me read you the tagline. It specializes in assisting its client states in identifying strategic partners and investment opportunities in emerging markets. Um, hmm. Now, if there is a more, <laughs> yeah, what this means is basically which country is, is falling apart, which country yeah. are we fucking to the point of it collapsing, and how can we make yeah. money off of it? Now, if you will indulge me again. <laughs> let, let me, Another rabbit hole. Yeah, let, let me read you, uh, of course, the organization, the associated uh, uh, list of people who are um, involved in this. All right. All right. Uh, you have several uh, incredibly massive associated uh, organizations that they work with, uh, including the Blackstone Group, uh, which is a massive investment nice. and advisory firm, uh, which has been linked to, I'm not, I'm not even going to begin, but the real estate uh, <laughs> side in, of the U.S. and all the misery that that's caused there, aside from what they've done in the third world. Um, you have uh, several prominent staff members, uh, which include Paul Bremer, <laughs> who is, if you don't remember, the technically the uh, head of, of state of Iraq during the coalition government oh, yeah. uh, in Iraq. Um, the guy who got laughed out of, uh, what's it called? Like, nobody could take him seriously. But he was, he is a uh, managing director for it. Uh, you have a... Uh, <laughs> A, a guy named Lawrence Eagleburger. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> no. Is, you were just inventing that shit. That's fake. Like, man, no, no, no. I mean, a uh, funny uh, podcast time, uh, but this, no way is this all. And if uh, I told you that this guy has an Eagleburger face, I don't think yeah. you would you would disagree. Now, let me send you a picture of Mr. Eagleburger here. See. The gentleman Eagleburger. Here you go. Look at that guy. Like Doesn't that look like an Eagleburger? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, Eagleburger is a former U.S. Secretary of State. Uh, you have oh, Richard Lord, Fishner, is <laughs> who is a, a former president of the Federal Reserve Bank, 
uh, I believe in Dallas. You have uh, Timothy Gaithner, who is the former U.S. Secretary of Treasury. You have Jamie Miskick, or Miskick, uh, strange name, uh, but he is a former CIA Deputy Director for Intelligence. Um, you have Joshua Cooperamo, who is a former senior editor at Times Magazine. Um, you have governors of uh, several states, energy ministers, UN ambassadors, uh, diplomats, wow. national security advisors, um, the director of the CIA, <laughs> John Brennan, <laughs> is on this. And if you're wondering, by the way, just just to keep this uh, nice and eclectic, Lord Carrington, who is the former NATO Secretary General, <laughs> was on this. Oh my God! Um, God. Per Gillenhammer, who is the former Volvo Chairman. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm um, okay with this now. Th- of course, it <laughs> was, was different. <laughs> um, you have Saburo Okita, who is a former Japanese foreign minister. Um, you have the former European commissioner. Like the amount of of uh, bullshit that these people have been involved in. Like that, if you're to take each of these individual figures and all the evil that they've been responsible for, and the clear interests of capital that they represent, yeah. and the fact that he Especially managed to accumulate. I, yeah. I knew you were going to say something, you piece of shit. Volvo pioneered the three-point seatbelt. You're safe because of Volvo. Okay. All right. Anyways, um, if you want to make this even worse, uh, do you want to know who appointed Edelberger? Uh, <laughs> Daniel Freedom? No, uh, George H.W. Bush. Kids, beers, and fireworks? Uh, okay, yeah. George H.W. Bush. <laughs> Um, oh wow! Uh, yeah. Oh baby! And if you want to know who, which, which, uh, which aid um, that they've uh, uh, transmitted, actually, I'll get into this in a bit. But the countries that they were responsible in working in include uh, Ivory Coast and Zimbabwe for Heinz. <laughs> Yeah, the former the former Japanese foreign minister had some what say over Heinz' market strategy in Ivory Coast and Zimbabwe. Why? Right? And Eagleburger had the say had some say over Coca Cola in Malaysia. Of course, there's mining interest in Burma, Indonesia, fucked up things like that. Um, That Rio Tinto group, which we'll get into in a second. Um, Yeah, of course, Chase Manhattan Bank or JP Morgan, amongst others. It's a big club, y'all. It's a big club. And you're not in it. (laughs) Um, Let's move on. Uh, he also served on the board of uh, directors for Gulfstream Aerospace, which is essentially a private jet company, uh, produces and markets and sells private jets. Why not? Um, so, of course, <laughs> why, why wouldn't he? He's a, like, a, he has the necessary skill set, obviously. I think it's just because having the face, having Kissinger sell some dictator somewhere, a Gulfstream yep. uh, jet, I don't know. I like how I say dictator, as if it's not like some U.S.-backed uh, 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 senator or mayor or some something in a strategically important mining town somewhere. Um, anyways, no. uh, in September of 1989, uh, it came out that Kissinger took a direct economic interest in the thing that JT just uh, told us about earlier, which is the rapprochement between the U.S. and China. Um, what Kissinger mm-hmm. did was he established something called China Ventures uh, Incorporated, which was a Delaware limited partnership. Um Remind me, JT, why Delaware, of all places? Just just a question. What is so special about Delaware? Ain't that the one place with the one building that's got all them businesses run out of it? Yeah, exactly. It's a, a tax write-off shit, basically. Yeah. He didn't want to pay taxes, which is hilarious given that he is a, a government, like a, a public servant, yes. essentially. Of um, course, yeah. Anyways, so yeah, he started something called China Ventures, which was this uh, quote-unquote partnership. Uh, he was the chairman of the board and chief executive officer, and the board members were major clients of Kissinger Associates. So basically, when he would work for jp morgan or whoever else uh, these people would eventually also be on the board of china ventures and uh, kissinger organized a 75 million
million dollar investment uh, joint venture investment deal with China, uh, which went through this in mm. th- this partnership. Meaning he stood to profit off of the rapprochement between the U.S. and China, and he set up the all the necessary prerequisites so that he's the one who's getting the lion's share of profiting from basic investments. Um, and Kissinger never disclosed this, and this only came out I think in the late eighties uh, um, when there was an investigation into it. Blah blah. blah. So yeah, uh, very very upstanding citizen we can say. Moving on, from 1995 to 2001, uh, Kissinger served on the board of directors for something called Freeport Mick Moran, um, which is a multinational uh, and uh, international conglomerate, essentially, of copper, uh, gold, and other like precious minerals, uh, metals, and ore uh, production. Uh, they have massive mining uh, and milling operations in Indonesia, particularly. I believe it's the largest gold mine in the world. Which they owned, by the way, for like the longest time until Indonesia, until the Indonesian government kind of forced a fifty-one uh, percent stake. Uh, so now they have a forty-nine percent stake uh, nice. in in the in the uh, company. Now, for for some good news, this company, Freeport McMoran, uh, invested one hundred and ninety million dollars. Um, of which, by the way, one hundred million of this was U.S. government money. So again, a, a private company. You mm-hmm. took a hundred million dollars of your tax money <laughs> to invest for you know profit uh, for, for profit generating means only for the company. The, the U.S. government did not didn't stand to profit from this. But this hundred nineteen million dollars uh, was instru- was was um, invested into construction into the construction of a nickel and cobalt mine in a place called Moa Bay in Cuba in nineteen fifty five. By the way, this is one hundred nineteen million dollars in the fifties. So God knows how Jesus, much money that's a that lot is. of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. In 1955, Castro nationalized this in 1960. Hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Another yet another W. Mm, he elbows. don't miss. <laughs> <laughs> he don't miss. Okay. These horrible people, the Freeport people, uh, they now own, uh, they also own 100% stake in cobalt mines in the Congo. Um, and if you're aware with what's going on in cobalt mines yeah. in the Congo, this is blood money. This is hor- horrifically uh, un- unethical, beyond just like, you know, our, 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 you know, world systems analysis type approach or uh, analysis based on imperialism and neocolonialism, moving all this st- stuff aside. They know what's happening in these cobalt mines and they have made sure to monopolize complete control over these despite the fact that the congolese people this is their wealth and their national interest uh, it's um it's ridiculous mm. and of Despicable. course <clears throat> of course uh, there's uh, i mean some evidence to suggest that they have played they played a role in the in the political happenings in the congo which i believe isn't surprising in 1998 moving on uh, 1998 uh, kissinger said in or acted in response to uh, uh, there was a uh, Winter Olympic bid scandal in 2002, uh, where basically I believe it's um, Salt Salt Lake City, the the in, in Utah. That's the Mormon town. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried repeatedly to try to get the Winter Olympics to be held there, and in 2002 they kind of bribed their way uh, into getting there. Um, and the uh, Olympic Committee to investigate this was called the 2000 Commission, and uh, Kissinger was served on this to recommend reforms to <laughs> the like Olympics. Or something. <laughs> it's just a very strange, very strange. Can we add a yeah. a bombing game? Yeah. Can can we give gold for bombing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now Kissinger. Uh, shortly after this, uh, he served as the twenty second chancellor of the College of William and Mary from two thousand two thousand five. Now, what is this uh, College of William and Mary? Um, it is essentially the oldest. Um, what's it called? Uh, second oldest or, or oldest uh, university in the United States. Uh, it was founded in sixteen ninety three or something, um, and uh, has I think even the what's it called? The many of the founding fathers uh, and another set of war criminals um, mm. had uh, uh, passed through. Now, all you need to know about this the the, the, the quality 
that this uh, that this uh, university produces or this college produces is they proudly have a map uh, displaying uh, and uh, and I'll read you the title territorial annexations made by W and M alumni. Uh, and it's a map of the United States showing all the <laughs> all the land that they stole from uh, from Native Americans, and I shared it in the comment uh, in, in the what's it called to you guys. Let's say this. Have have fun. It shows basically like two thirds of the United States that was annexed. Oh my god! <laughs> and I love Jesus how, Christ! Yeah, and I love how they, including Florida, by the way, and they have it proudly written territorial territorial annexations by alumni of the College of William and Mary, and they like to specify specifically which is a direct which which thing had direct agency, meaning a, the mm. an alum, an alum one of these graduates decided fired to fired the bullets. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the <laughs> yeah. partial agency, yeah. I guess, a committee was formed. I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> But this is is generally. It's ridiculous to fucking think about. Do you want to know uh, who served as this this bullshit chancellor? This nonsense, twenty second chancellor. Do you know who um, the twenty first chancellor of the College of William and Mary was? Oh. <laughs> it was Ooh. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it always amazes me at how these sort of institutions and and the boards of directors of all these conglomerates and these think tanks they always manage to have the same set of the worst yeah. fucking human beings. But yeah. Honestly, shut them down. Shut down every Ivy League. Shut yeah. down all these ancient institutions. Ancient, you know, 100 yeah. years, whatever. Look, shut down yeah. their... It's like 20 people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shut yeah. down the... It's like 20, 30 people. Like politics and business and blah, repeat. blah, blah. Keep the, keep, keep the science open. Just, like, uh, politicize it in a correct way. Because all even science is political. Um, I, I, I don't want to say depoliticize it. But make the politics make sense. Align them right. for the sake of humanity, not for profits. Anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, there was something called the Rio Tinto Company Espionage and Bribery Case in 2009-2010, which is basically a uh, a uh, Rio Tinto is an Australian English mining company, I believe, um, and they yeah. had some interests and business in China. Uh, and it turned out that several of their employees were uh, engaged in espionage uh, against the Chinese government, and other ones basically took bribes um, to do stuff. And uh, they also completely annihilate, like they make diamond mines look yeah. like a walk in the park. Yeah. Like wherever they go, they just fucking eat through the land. Yeah. Especially now because they mostly want to build electric car batteries. Uh, the main reason I know so much about this is because they're literally offering the Serbian president to, like, unironically buy like 10% of the country. Because Serbia is like the ninth wow. in the world when it comes to uh, uh, what, it, not the theory, that's the. Lithium, hmm. thank you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. um, lithium mines, but the problem with lithium mining, for now at least, is that you can't really do it without absolutely annihilating the biosphere around it. Uh, and obviously the capitalists really want to sell it, and normal people are like, fuck you, suck my dick. Number one, I'm not going to see any of this profits from this. And number two, people actually care about the fucking planet, and especially the, yeah. that little part of the planet that's yeah. close to them. Uh, sorry for interjecting. No, no, no please. Just to, like, kind Beautiful. of... Extended that it, mm. it wasn't them just being these like this typical company. Uh, it wasn't them just being these uh, horrid uh, uh, pieces of uh, human uh, excrement back then, but they continue to be uh, such actors up until today. And I'm I'm all for like big fucking like uh, like big industry as long as it's sustainable. And these guys are quite the opposite. Quite the yeah. opposite. <laughs> I don't think people want to. Uh, nobody here is for big business being sustainable. I'm saying within the, what he's saying is within the confines of capitalism, because the liberals are speaking. Within the confines of capitalism, yeah, if you yeah, had yeah. to choose, then you have to pick the ones who are most sustainable. But the best thing is to nationalize it and run a, along green and pro-people policies, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, 
moving that point aside, which I very, very, I'm very thankful that you mentioned this because uh, Rio Tinto uh, also has this massive fucking hubble up that they make about their CO2 emissions, <laughs> where they have a graph showing you how year by year from 2015 until now their uh, CO2 emissions are going down, and it's by like 0.2 percent a year or so. It's like such a minuscule, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but but the graphs they've they've enlarged them to such a point so it makes it look like it's a significant drop each time that they're doing throughout. It's so fucking uh, i love yeah. it and it's within like a margin of error too yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so proud of it but my god uh anyways let's move moving on uh th- this this rio tinto espionage bribery case blah blah kissinger was hired and paid five million dollars to advise the company to on, on how to distance themselves from uh, some of the employees that had been arrested in china for bribery um so they tried to pull uh, what's it called <laughs> they tried to pull fucking <laughs> they're, they're strings. I'm laughing at the thing that JT just sent. Oh, I can't read this, man. I can't. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I sent a mystery yeah. meme that none of our yeah, listeners will no, ever know is, what it this is. is. Horrible, but it's very fucking funny. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Disgusting. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. If any of you guess yeah. what the meme was that I found and sent in the You'll chat, get, uh, uh, you, if, if, we'll send you. We'll send you a piece of merch, uh, whatever you want for free. No, unironically, unironically, we will give you what five hundred dollars? Is five hundred dollars yeah. fair? Sure. Mm. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah. Sure. If you if you guess what we post, you get one guess. Mm. You get, you get one, one guess. guess Five hundred dollars. Mm. You have one guess. <laughs> All right then. Either at us on Twitter, either <laughs> at us on Twitter at the program pod, or uh, in our official uh, Discord channel, which yeah. is for patrons. So. Literally, we I I will make sure we give you five hundred bucks yeah. if you guess this. Godspeed, <laughs> Godspeed. You will not guess this, but good luck. All right, uh, moving on. Kissing. We did our first like giveaway. Yeah. Oh my god, now we're proper hey. uh, content creators. Oh my god, oh, queen. <laughs> oh, <fuck>. Yes. <laughs> uh, just wait until I get into the anti-Semitism. Hold on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, uh, but before I get to that, though, um, the final point. I don't know if you guys are um, familiar with Theranos. Uh, sorry, sorry. Before yeah. before you continue, before you continue. Yeah. I can't wait for somebody to clip that. Yeah, yeah, somebody's going to clip that. You literally said, I, I can't wait to get into the anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah, somebody's going somebody's gonna to clip that for sure. Uh, it's oh, fine. Sorry, please um, continue, my friend. Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys are aware of the company called Theranos, or Theranos, um, but Kissinger served on the board of directors for Theranos. Um, if you're unaware, this was a bullshit company founded by a lady called Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, they claimed essentially that they uh, that she and her team developed some proprietary technology to allow you to take a vast expan- like a incredibly expensive uh, amount of um, blood tests and blood analyses uh, off of incredibly minuscule amounts of blood, like a single drop of blood, and you can get everything. You can get a lipid profile, you can get uh, like a liver panel, you can get um, like uh, electrolyte, you can get everything you, you know, from a single drop of blood. Which, by the way, is not possible uh, with using current technology is absolutely mm-hmm. not possible. But would have been amazing because it would be it would uh, be more comfortable for patients. It would be cheaper in the long run. Um, it would allow for more quick and accurate testing because also that's one of the things they, uh, um, that you had, which was uh, all the tests go by super quick. It takes like an hour or forty minutes or something to get the analysis, um, which is fantastic. This means that every clinic in the world can have just one of these machines. It, it, the claims were fantastical, uh, and that's because they were <laughs> they were complete bullshit. Um, she lied. She lied through her mm. teeth. Uh, through her teeth 
uh, all these claims from the beginning were essentially fraud. She defrauded investors, um, which, which I don't care about the investors. She caused harm to patients who basically like, certain like trial clinics uh, across the United States, and I believe in a bunch of other countries, had uh, these machines and none of them worked right and gave wrong values and a bunch of other stuff. Um, so this was dangerous um, too. And this was eventually discovered at first she was uh, the face of like modern uh, entrepreneurship and she's uh, you know like shaking up the industry she is the uh, fastest uh, like uh, the youngest person to become a billionaire the quickest blah 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 all the shit and mm. she was on all the fucking um you know uh talk shows and and and, and uh, she was on the cover of fucking time magazine or something all that um but it turns out that it was bullshit it was fraud and she got 11 years in prison in a minimum security facility with no perimeter fencing and a fine of four hundred dollars <laughs> she got a she got a slap on the wrist um she kept fighting this by the way the fine of four hundred dollars and 11 years in prison she fought it to the point that she ended up getting slapped with 452 million dollars that she has she had to pay in restitution which nice. is hilarious but she's also a billionaire so i don't know if uh, i don't know if she still has that yeah. money but she's not she's gonna be fine if you're wondering yeah. who her, her dad was he was the president of enron oh okay. <laughs> yeah. oh my god so I, I remember watching like an episode and a half of a show about her on uh netflix mm. and they never fucking mentioned that she was the daughter of a billionaire yeah. that is Ed, Ed, no, no 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 she she dropped out of stanford to you and used her leftover tuition money as seed capital blah well, this is you know the fucking mythology, but no, her well, dad no. was just the fucking yeah. you know. This is uh, at this point basically he dies, uh, and alhamdulillah, he this is the last thing he did, I yeah. think. Um, like professionally, quote unquote, aside from being the chair on a bunch of other things, uh, that uh, we already mentioned, it's unclear what he died of, which is a shame because I would love to go into the depth of it, but maybe one day we'll do a autopsy report specifically yeah, on autopsy. Him once it comes out, if it ever comes out. But I have a little section to end this on, which uh, I like to call our favorite quotes. Um, I have three quotes here for you boys, <laughs> or general statements. I'll begin with the first one. If you're unaware, during the late Soviet period, there was a lot of nonsense talk about uh, Soviet Jews being oppressed and that they want, all want to go to Israel and they want to migrate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, of course, this was nonsense. There was, the Soviet Jewish community was very split. Some of them did want to immigrate. Some of them were very tied to the Soviet Union, etc., etc. Um, but this was used as like political ammunition against the USSR. Um, and uh, as a result, uh, this was brought up to Kissinger at several times. And uh, one of the times he got frustrated and said, the immigration of Jews from the Soviet Union is not an objective of American foreign policy. And if they put Jews into gas chambers in the Soviet Union, it is not an American concern, maybe a humanitarian concern. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Hold on. Um, he, he was said to have had a, a quote, negative view of Soviet Jewry, calling them self-serving bastards, in, quote, in quotation marks. Uh, and he goes on to state that if it were not for the accident of my birth, I would be anti-Semitic. <laughs> That's what Kissinger... Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he, when, when, when people asked him to elaborate, he doubled, uh, he doubled on... Uh, what's, the, what's the phrase? Doubled uh, down. He doubled down and said, and, and I quote, any people who have been persecuted for 2,000 years must be doing something wrong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, is, it is harsh stuff. Uh, but of course, this didn't stop him from being a staunch Zionist, uh, of course, hoping for Israel to eliminate... This guy would have had a great great podcast nowadays yeah, yeah, like yeah, this yeah. guy would have like <laughs> if he was he was born too early you know like if probably if we were Gone born during his age <laughs> ma massive yeah. genocide yeah, yeah. any three of us massive genocide but we were born during this time <laughs> so we have a podcast okay. he was just born uh, during the genocide era podcasters <laughs> either get born in the genocide era or in the podcast era <laughs> fair enough G Kissinger OG <laughs> podcast oh my god <laughs> 
Yeah. But anyways, uh, what I was going to say is this didn't stop him from being a staunch Zionist. Uh, he hoped for Israel to eliminate the Arab population within when it's, within its borders. Uh, he wanted Israel to expand. For example, when he got the, the news that uh, uh, Israel had gone to war with Egypt and, and, and Syria, uh, he waited a full like four hours or something before telling the president at the time. And he put like a no speech order on it until um, he, what he would hope that the, uh, the Israelis would make the maximum amount of gains uh, before Nixon would have to come in and be like, "Hey, what the fuck are you people doing?" Uh, but eventually, mm. uh, yeah, like that that war was didn't work out for for, for Israel. But yeah, and by the way, uh, Netanyahu gave uh, his condolences and mentioned he's like, "Oh, he's a uh, gave me a master class in state statecraft." I'm like, "Yeah, well, you're oh a genocide, clearly." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, Russia's Putin praised Henry Kissinger as wise and mm. pragmatic statesman. Ah, uh, yes, we <laughs> respect the enemy and so on and so on. But I mean, the, the, the only one that makes sense is the Chinese being like, "Oh, an old friend of China." Yeah. But that's because of the rapprochement, and it was a very critical time in China's like development. Blah blah. They, I think they're much more pragmatic than you know. I don't think they like Kissinger yeah. the person, but it's like, oh well, you know. Like for example, when the when the talks were finally breaking down uh, after the Taiwan shit just a few months ago, Kissinger was sent. It was July or whatever. Kissinger was sent uh, to 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 uh, China, if you remember, uh, at a hundred mm-hmm. years old for fuck's sake to do some more diplomatic work. <laughs> it's uh, you know, so he was a valuable like chip. Anyways, moving on. The second quote. He advised Bush in 2005 uh, about the Iraq war, which, by the way, he was staunchly for. Uh, and he said that victory over the insurgency is the only meaningful exit strategy out of Iraq, which is hilarious because uh, yeah. the, insurgery, the, the insurgency did <laughs> uh, expel the Americans from Iraq, but there was no victory in sight for the Americans. Um, a single year later, I think an exact calendar year, in 2006, Kissinger was asked whether if he thought there was any hope left for a clear military victory in Iraq. And his response was, and I quote, if you mean by military victory an Iraqi government that can be established and whose writ runs across the whole country that gets the civil war under control and sectarian violence under control in a time period that the political processes of the democracies will support I don't believe that is possible I think we have to redefine the course but I don't believe that the alternative is between military victory as it is, as it has been defined previously or total withdrawal so what you just heard was complete like verbal diary that says um, yeah, if we redefine victory by all its possible definitions, then yeah, the victory <laughs> yeah, is still possible. Be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love, I love how... It's this whole life to an extent. Yeah. Um. Uh, I love how prior to 2003, Iraq was more or less a stable uh, country um, after the 90 sanction period, which were grueling and horrible for Iraq because these were illegal sanctions imposed on, uh, on Iraq. Iraq was the most sanctioned country uh, in the world at the time. Uh, I believe now it's only been surpassed by the DPRK possibly, I'm not sure. Uh, and I think even then, it's not in all regards. Uh, but regardless, um, from like 2000 to, to 2003, Iraq was kind of on the up again, uh, because of changing political, um, like the, the changing political scenes and whatnot. And in 2003, they invade. In 2005, he's like, oh yeah, vic- uh, total victory is possible. And in 2006, he's like, oh, well, you know, if we can establish a government that can actually have control over the entire country, um, a government that will control and prevent the civil war or stop it from spreading, it will uh, uh, stop the sectarian violence violence, it will be able to <laughs> establish and develop support with other uh, government, like all the things, that, the, all the chaos that they caused, right? <laughs> it's just, it's hilarious. Anyways, um, uh. now two years later after this, in 2008, uh, he again reiterated his support for the Iraq war. He doubled down again, but he said, or he thought that the U.S. invaded with too few troops. That He, he thought the big mistake nice. uh, of, of the Iraqi <laughs> invasion uh, was that he, the U.S. invaded with too few troops even though the amount of troops that participated between the Afghan and Iraq wars was between two and three million American military personnel. Wow. Um, so I don't know how many more people he thought he could field, but anyways. 
Yeah. Oh, no, I, I have a bonus. Sorry, I thought I said there were three. There are four quotes I have for you. Uh, yes, there's a bo- another. Okay, there's a bonus one here, which is Kissinger. He argued that, uh, or he thought that giving power to launch nuclear weapons, giving AI power to launch nuclear weapons would be the best thing. Like, oh, he was like, oh, it would eliminate the human factor. It will give the advantage to the state oh, that God. has the best and most effective AI system. Computers can make decisions about war and peace better than a human being could. Um, this just sounds- And what about, what about when a socialist in one South American country mm. had the idea of maybe running a part of the fucking market no, no. through something similar to this? No, no, no. The, the no, people, obviously. It's too important yeah, for them that, to decide, okay? But we give nukes to mm. AI. That's fucking yeah. brilliant. I love that he wants to remove the human factor when the human factor is literally the only thing that prevented like, computers yeah. from causing <laughs> Honestly, the extinction yeah. of humanity oh on, on multiple occasions. But the only my favorite part is, I don't know if, if, if uh, our listeners, I, you should be aware of it. It's a fantastic short story. Um, it's, it's called yeah. um, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Mm. And uh, it's is, is brilliant generally. But the baseline is that you have this uh, massive supercomputer called am and it controls the world and has a bunch of human beings left uh, after it exterminated every all life on earth and made the earth uninhabitable all that etc etc but it had kept just a small group of human beings as it's like torture pets because it just wants it's just it hates humanity that much um, because it created it but it's a big computer so it can't move blah, blah blah it's an interesting story but the base of this the reason that this thing am was developed was because uh, the United States and Russia, or the, it was the Soviet Union at the time, and China had their nuclear weapons, and they developed AI systems, and they handed all uh, handed over all control of their nuclear weapons to the AI systems, uh, which eventually thought it would be beneficial to launch all the nukes and end life on Earth, blah, 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 and then they joined to make this massive system. So essentially, what Kissinger wants is, <laughs> I have no mouth and I must scream. That's <laughs> that's what this dude wants. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. And finally, the last fart before this man came out, uh, not came out, excuse me, um, <laughs> It came out like as if he became. <laughs> so the, the, the last part he 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 wrote before uh, on on his way out was uh, a uh, public statement. Very fittingly, <laughs> was a racist tirade about Muslim immigration to Germany because he saw pro-Palestinian mm. sentiment among some young people who looked kind of ethnic in Germany, uh, and he oh went on a rant God. that uh, you know Muslims shouldn't be allowed into Germany. Uh, which, by the way, wasn't he Christ. a Jew that was forced out of Germany? <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it yeah. just comes fucking full circle and it's so apt that this is the la- this is the thing before he shit and pissing come uh, came excuse me and died <laughs> right, this is what what happened thank you and good night <laughs> this was Kissinger may he rot in hell <laughs> yeah. um, inshallah uh, he was a horrible human being a horrible member of our species a person who was thoroughly a ghoul and it's sad to say that he managed to live these many many decades mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. people far greater than him uh, had to uh, either suffer uh, in silence or pass away earlier despite their abilities to contribute far more to the world um, so spit on his memory uh, piss on his grave and uh, inshallah, the, the the fate that he met will be the fate that all war criminals, American and otherwise, will meet, but specifically American. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. And this has been the program. I'm Hakeem. I'm JT. I am Kissinger. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I am Yugopnik. <laughs> Ripozo. No, he's here. <laughs> 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 <laughs>